Welcome, my friends. Welcome to another edition of the Corbett Report. I am your host, James Corbett, podcasting to you, as always, from the sunny climes of western Japan on this 21st day of June, 2009. I'd like to welcome all of my listeners, as usual, and invite them all to check into the websites CorbettReport.com and AlQaedaDoesn'tExist.com where you can find previous episodes of this podcast, as well as articles, interviews, and videos we've created and conducted in the past, and more information about our forthcoming and still-coming documentary, Al-Qaeda Doesn't Exist. Now, without further ado, let's get into today's real news. Today's first real news story comes from PropagandaMatrix.com, June 18th, 2009. Obama Regulatory Reform Plan Officially Establishes Banking Dictatorship in United States. Move to hand privately owned Federal Reserve complete regulatory power over entire U.S. economy heralds new form of government. President Obama's plan to give the privately owned and unaccountable Federal Reserve complete regulatory oversight across the entire U.S. economy, which is likely to be enacted before the end of the year, will officially herald the beginning of a new form of government in the United States, an ultra-powerful banking dictatorship controlled by a small gaggle of shadowy and corrupt elitists. The new rules would see the Fed given the authority to regulate any company whose activity it believes could threaten the economy and the markets. This goes a step further than the centrally planned economies of the Soviet Union or Communist China, in that the Federal Reserve is not even accountable to the U.S. government. It is a private entity that, according to former Fed Chairman Alan Greenspan, is accountable to nobody but the banking families that own it. Obama's regulatory reform plan is nothing less than a green light for the complete and total takeover of the United States by a private banking cartel that will usurp the power of existing regulatory bodies who are now being blamed for the financial crisis in order that their status can be abolished and their roles handed over to the all-powerful Fed. Today's second real news story comes from the Times Online, June 20th, 2009. Call for public inquiry into 7-7 from former head of counterterrorism. An independent public inquiry should be held into how suicide terrorists were able to carry out the July 7th bombings, Scotland Yard's former head of counterterrorism says. Andy Heyman, who was assistant commissioner for special operations at the time of the bombings in 2005, is the first figure from the security establishment to break ranks and call for an open inquiry. Almost four years after Mohammed Sadiq Khan and his Leeds-based cell carried out the bombings, Mr. Heyman says that he is uncomfortable with the official position that an inquiry would divert resources from the fight against terrorism. In his book, The Terrorist Hunters, extracts from which are published in the Times today, Mr. Heyman says... Incidents of less gravity have attracted the status of a public inquiry. Train crashes, a death in custody, and even other terrorist attacks. How can there not be a full, independent, public inquiry into the deaths of 52 commuters on London's transport system? There has been no overview, no pulling together of each strand of review. No one can be sure if key issues have been missed. Today's third real news story comes from the Drudge Report, June 16th, 2009. ABC turns programming over to Obama. News to be anchored from inside White House. On the night of June 24th, the media and government become one when ABC turns its programming over to President Obama and White House officials to push government-run health care a move that has ignited an ethical firestorm. Highlights on the agenda. ABC News anchor Charlie Gibson will deliver world news from the Blue Room of the White House. 
The network plans a primetime special, Prescription for America, originating from the East Room, excluding opposing voices on the debate. The Director of Communications at the White House Office of Health Reform is Linda Douglas, who worked as a reporter for ABC News from 1998 to 2006. Today's fourth real news story comes from Infowars.net, June 15, 2009. DOD Training Manual describes protest as low-level terrorism. Pentagon Training Course says engaging in First Amendment is terrorist activity. Current Department of Defense anti-terrorism training course material states that the exercise of First Amendment rights in the U.S. constitutes terrorist activity. The ACLU has written to the DOD regarding its Anti-Terrorism and Force Protection Annual Refresher Training Course, which advises personnel that political protest amounts to low-level terrorism. It has come to our attention that the Department of Defense's annual Level 1 anti-terrorism training for 2009 misinforms Department of Defense personnel that certain First Amendment-protected activity may amount to low-level terrorism, the ACLU writes. We are writing to ask that you take immediate steps to remedy this situation, the letter to Acting Undersecretary Gail McGinn states. The first question of the Terrorism Threat Factors Knowledge Check 1 section reads, Which of the following is an example of low-level terrorism activity? Select the correct answer, and then click Check Your Answer. Attacking the Pentagon. IEDs. Hate crimes against racial groups. Protests. In order to proceed, users must give the correct answer as protests. Today's final real news story comes from the Los Angeles Times, June 15, 2009. Uh-oh, politicians share personality traits with serial killers. Study. Using his law enforcement experience and data drawn from the FBI's Behavioral Analysis Unit, Jim Curry has collected a series of personality traits common to a couple of professions. Curry, who's a vice president of the National Association of Chiefs of Police, has assembled traits such as superficial charm, an exaggerated sense of self-worth, glibness, lying, lack of remorse, and manipulation of others. These traits, Curry points out in his analysis, are common to psychopathic serial killers. But, and here's the part that may spark some controversy and defensive discussion, these traits are also common to... American politicians. Maybe you already suspected. Yep, violent homicide aside, our elected officials show many of the exact same character traits as criminal nutjobs, who run from police, but not for office. Curry notes that these criminals are psychologically capable of committing their dirty deeds, free of any concern for social, moral, or legal consequences, and with absolutely no remorse. This allows them to do what they want, whenever they want, he wrote. Ironically, these same traits exist in men and women who are drawn to high-profile and powerful positions in society, including political office holders. Welcome, my friends. Welcome to episode 91 of the Corbett Report. Beware Operation Blackjack. Now, for those of you who were expecting episode 91 to be about environmentalism, rest assured that podcast is coming next week. But this week, I've decided to change the topic because a story broke out this week that was just too large and too important to ignore. It concerns Operation Blackjack, a fictional slideshow story from the telegraph.co.uk website, which we've mentioned before on this podcast in the Real News section. This fictional slideshow first appeared in January of this year and immediately raised attention 
for its extremely bizarre nature and subject matter. For more on that, let's turn to Propaganda Matrix and Paul Joseph Watson from Friday, January 16th of 2009, with a headline, Bizarre and Offensive Online Gallery Fearmongers for Terror Attacks in London, NYC. UK Telegraph carries vulgar propaganda in arts and culture section. Quote, A bizarre, anonymous, and offensive picture gallery currently appearing on the website of the London Telegraph newspaper that tells the story of a terrorist nuke attack on London has left many asking questions about its origin and meaning. The slideshow features on a section dedicated to art, culture, film, and music, but seemingly holds no artistic credence whatsoever, comprising merely of a series of crude pictures designed to instill fear into the viewer. The only purpose of the gallery is presumably just a continuation of the incessant drone of fear-mongering propaganda from the establishment media and authorities about the imminent inevitability of a mass casualty terror attack. Entitled Blackjack, the gallery begins with a date, June 20th at 2pm, followed by an MI5 logo and the text, MI5 report warns government of imminent terrorist attack. This certainly makes sense because MI5 and MI6 have proven themselves adept at controlling terrorist groups and carrying out attacks in the past, including paying al-Qaeda $100,000 in the mid-80s in a failed attempt to assassinate Libyan leader Muammar Gaddafi. After we learn that the attack will be the work of homegrown extremists, Islamists, and Christian doomsday cultists, the date switches to June 21st at 12pm as a nuclear bomb is loaded onto a white van in London. As Cryptagon.com notes, the fictitious attack occurs during the summer solstice, the name on the side of the van is New Dawn Presentations, and the logo is the sun. The white van also harks back to the Kingstar, controlled demolition company, van, that was pictured near the exploded bus after the 7-7 London bombings. After citizens panic, buy groceries, and flee London in droves, on June 22nd at 8.03 a.m., the nuke explodes in central London. The images then show the devastation in the aftermath of the attack as the Houses of Parliament, Buckingham Palace, and Big Ben lay in ruins. This is only the end of Part 1, and in Part 2 we are promised similar devastation, with an image of millions fleeing New York City. This disgusting and pointless gallery cannot be classified as culture, art, or anything of the sort. It is nothing more than gratuitous and macabre pornography for those in establishment, and believe me, there are many, that yearn for another 9-11, or worse, in order to unravel their contemptuous political agenda. What kind of sick mind created this, And why was it allowed to feature so prominently on a major UK newspaper website? This is vile, vulgar propaganda, and downright offensive, especially to the millions of people who live in London and New York City and have already suffered terrorist attacks, both of which were carried out with the complete complicity of the British and US governments within the past decade. We need answers as to who created this, what its implausible artistic merit is, and why the London Telegraph allowed it to appear on their website. End quote. A mere week later, the promised part two did indeed appear on the Telegraph newspaper, followed by another Paul Joseph Watson article, Blackjack Part Two, Telegraph Continues to Run Vulgar Propaganda. Quote, Despite calls, questions, and complaints to the UK Telegraph as to the purpose and origins of a bizarre, offensive, and crudely put-together photo gallery depicting a nuclear attack on London, the newspaper is now featuring Part 2 of Blackjack on its website, which portrays six major cities being nuked before a fascist Union of North America is implemented. As we revealed in our previous story, the first installment of the gallery featured on a section of the Telegraph website dedicated to art, culture, film, and music, but seemingly held no artistic credence whatsoever, comprising merely of a series of crude pictures designed to instill fear into the viewer. The series of images is also replete with occult symbols with which those who have researched the Illuminati will be familiar. 
in the second part of the series at 8.03 a.m. on June 22nd, six cities, New York City, Washington, D.C., Toronto, Mexico City, Portland, and Los Angeles all suffer a nuclear attack as mushroom clouds are depicted rising over the skyscrapers. The crumbling remains of the city are shown one week later. The final few images show a revised U.S. flag with five stars in the middle, with black fighter jets roaring overhead, as well as a Department of Homeland Security emergency transmission, which tells people to stay at home and await further instructions. The logo on the bottom right of the mock screenshot is of a Nazi-style eagle below the words Union of North America. At the bottom of the logo are the words Norvus Ordo Seclorum, or alternatively, Norvus Ordo Emporium. The resolution isn't high enough to make out the last word. Norvus Ordo Seclorum translates as New Order of the Ages, or more traditionally, New World Order. The last image shows a British police officer with the Nazi-style eagle on his helmet and the Union of North America flag on his uniform. Presumably the message being sent is that a series of nuclear terror attacks will bring in a fascist-style world government, which will be headed by a Union of America, Canada, Mexico, and Britain. What on earth is the purpose of this photo gallery? Who is the author? And why is it being featured on a major UK newspaper website with no explanation whatsoever? Without proper clarification, this amounts to nothing more than bizarre fear-mongering and propaganda. It is also downright offensive to people who live in the seven cities being depicted as targets for the nuclear attacks. End quote. Another week later, part three is released. From Steve Watson of Infowars.net, Blackjack Part 3, Telegraph Continues Propaganda Piece, Depicts Concentration Camps, Martial Law. Quote, The London Telegraph is continuing to run a crude propaganda piece in its arts and culture section that depicts nuclear attacks on major cities, the formation of a world government, and a police state crackdown on citizens complete with concentration camps and the implementation of martial law. A third installment of the baffling piece depicts the fallout of nuclear attacks on London, New York City, Washington, D.C., Toronto, Mexico City, Portland, and Los Angeles. This time, the piece has been photoshopped in the style of a comic book, perhaps in a poor attempt to give it the impression that it has some artistic merit. The Telegraph received a great deal of complaints about our first two articles. One of the first images shows a map marked Teardrop, eyes only, which features the flag of the newly formed Union of North America, a new government composed of America, Canada, Mexico, and Britain. Some men in suits, presumably representatives of the UNA, are looking at a map and the glassi reports, which constitute the scale of destruction wrought on the attacked cities. These men seem to be pleased with the situation, stating this has exceeded our wildest expectations and calling for phase two. Clearly from this we are supposed to deduce that these men, representatives of the New World Government, are somehow involved in the events that have taken place, despite the fact that we were told religious extremists, terrorists, were the culprits. The next set of images depict an announcement by the UNA to citizens everywhere that the Union has begun carrying out military attacks on China, Syria, and Iran, who are now apparently somehow also to blame for the earlier nuclear attacks. Several more images show a state of martial law has been implemented and that concentration camps have been set up to hold collaborators and presumably anyone else who refuses to go along with the program. Another image shows an Amero coin indicating the creation of a new global currency. What is the point of Operation Blackjack? Why does it continue to run in the arts and culture section of a major British newspaper? Is someone's sick fantasy being afforded exposure on a major UK newspaper website? Or are we being prepared for something? Could it be that in the fictionalization of false flag terror, the creation of detention centers, and the push for global government, someone is attempting to relegate such real-world issues to the pages of a comic book? As we previously highlighted, 
the rude and hostile response to people who have attempted to get, get clarification from the telegraph only deepens the mystery. End quote. And of course, the story continued over the next few weeks, and finally culminating in mid-February of 2009, in which parts 4 and 5 were eventually released, and the subsequent parts showed an encroaching tyranny taking over the fascist Union of North America, starting to impose ID cards uh, for the purpose of buying or selling and further encroaching into people's liberties and rounding people into concentration camps. And the final part, part five, finally shows the people starting to revolt en masse, and eventually the plotters of this dastardly deed attempt another nuke in order to rally people around the Union of North America flag, but it is found in time before it can explode in Boston, and the lie is finally exposed on the front page of the Boston Globe, and everyone finds out that the entire plot has been in fact plotted by people within the government. A very intriguing storyline, and certainly I would highly suggest my listeners who have not done so, please go to the Telegraph website via the documentation list of today's episode where you can find the links to these articles. And you can find, of course, the original Operation Blackjack posted on the Telegraph website and look at some of these pictures and notice the symbolism and the things that are actually placed into these pictures which touch upon pretty much everything that anyone in this movement would find interesting or suspicious. And what we have here is a very crudely put-together story with very crude images depicting exactly what I think most people in the truth movement would say is a plausible scenario for a false flag attack, which would bring in the next stage of global government. In fact, if one didn't know better, one would say it was almost written by someone who was involved in these very types of issues. And, of course, a further clue that came out during that time period was a website that was linked to this story called jackblack12.info. And on jackblack12.info, you could look at the Glass Eye reports and find detailed information about each of the nukes going off in this fictional scenario, right down to their GPS coordinates, so you could track it down to the very spot where ground zero for each of these nukes went off. An extremely interesting story, but just that, a story, and no one thought very much of it anymore at that time. And that's pretty much where the story left off, until June 16th, 2009, and a phone call from Matt in Pennsylvania on the InfoWarrior show with Jason Burmis. Yes, sir. Hello. Yes. Yeah, I have a, I have quite a few dots to connect, so I'll try to be quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you're aware of Operation Blackjack, that cartoon? Sure. And next week there's supposed to be... Uh, Northcom North drills. Okay. So everybody thinks that because they said that uh, NORAD was having drills on 9-11, and in London they were doing drills on 7-7. Mm-hmm. So people were surmising that they're having drills next week, and there was Operation Blackjack talking about June 22nd. Mm-hmm. In Operation Blackjack, Part 4, Frame 15, mm-hmm. it shows a picture of the ID card. Yes. The numbers on that ID card are hexadecimal code. Okay. If you type that into a hex to hexadecimal code to text translator, mm-hmm. it's, it translates to, this is not simply entertainment. Is that true? Well, explain. I'm, I'm listening, to you, man. What, what, explain to me what hexadental code is exactly, please. Go to Google and type hex to text. The first link that comes up is a binary hexadecimal translator. Okay. You know how you, you know how binary is all zeros and ones, right? Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like the matrix, except for not matrix okay. code. Binary code is comprised of zeros and ones, and the he- theory is that binary can, co- code can represent anything. Yes, it can. Hexadecimal okay. is pretty much the exact same thing. But instead of zeros and ones, it uses all of the numbers and letters in, in a code form. Mm-hmm. If you type all the numbers and letters from the picture in Blackjack of Part 4, Frame 15, into the hex box of that converter and hit Convert, it translates to the text of, this is not simply entertainment. 
Well, I'll tell you what, man. That sounds like a great thing to send to writers at Infowars.com or articles at Infowars.com and both, and possibly we'll use that as an op-ed piece. Please uh, do a screen capture of the Part 4 um, page that you're talking about. Uh, show the website, give the link, do another screen capture of what it actually says, and hopefully uh, they can post that over at Infowars. If they don't, uh, send it to me at myspace.com slash Jason Burmis or Infowar, or I'm sorry, facebook.com slash the Infowarrior, and I'll even post it on my blog because that is super interesting, my man. We're going to come back. We're going to go to Chris and others, 866-582-9933. And so the story was picked up by Prison Planet and other outlets. The strange story of the strange hexadecimal code that's located inside the Telegraph slideshow story itself. And for those out there who are very keen and who have not yet done so, in the documentation list for today's episode located at CorbettReport.com, I'll include a link to a hexadecimal converter where you can, if you're keen enough, to, you can actually go and find those numbers and type them in and find that, yes, indeed, it does translate into this is not simply entertainment. And you wait, there's more to come. On June 18th, a second hex code message was found in Blackjack, this time from Part 4, Frame 17. This part for frame 17 consisted of an extremely long string of numbers, which someone, I suppose, was keen enough to type into the hexadecimal converter, and it contained this message. And keep in mind, this was on the Daily Telegraph website. Quote, This is the final warning on this site. All further warnings will be given on jackblack12.info. Beware ardent sentry. Be alert for semis bearing the sun icon. Not all federal authorities are involved. End quote. Yes, that was the secret hexadecimal code that was in the slideshow on the Telegraph website. And, of course, what does that actually mean? Well, what is Ardent Sentry? Well, I'll include, of course, a link to norad.mil in today's documentation where you can read the following... NORAD and U.S. NORTHCOM exercise planned for mid-June. Quote, North American Aerospace Defense Command and U.S. Northern Command are planning to conduct a combined exercise June 18th to 24th that will incorporate several military exercises with a National Guard exercise. These linked exercises are referred to as Ardent Century 09. Events will take place in multiple venues across the country, including Iowa, Kansas, Oregon, Wyoming, and off the east and west coasts. The exercise will allow several Department of Defense organizations and some federal and state partners to implement plans and respond to a variety of notional events. Historically, exercises like these have helped both DOD and other agencies review their processes and procedures and focus their future training efforts on closing gaps and identifying areas that need additional attention. Major AS-09 venues include NORAD's Amalgam Dart Exercise involving air defense activities at Camp Relia, Oregon, the National Guard's Vigilant Guard Exercise focused on civil support with major activities in Des Moines, Iowa and Topeka, Kansas, and a Nuclear Weapons Incident Exercise, New Wikes, with a U.S. Air Force response near Cheyenne, Wyoming. End quote. Now, once again, this is quite phenomenal that this coded warning was actually on the website of a major British newspaper warning about this U.S. military exercise, which is taking place in the real world exactly in the time frame of Operation Blackjack. Yes, a nuclear weapons incident exercise taking place during the time frame of this fictional nuclear attack. Extremely strange, extremely interesting, and accordingly, all hell broke loose on many of the internet forums on which the truth movement likes to discuss these issues. What followed can only be described as utter bedlam, interspersed occasionally with extremely insightful and interesting commentary. And for an example of that, 
Let's take a short listen to an extremely interesting and insightful interview that James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com and previous guest on The Corbett Report did with Clyde Lewis of Ground Zero Lounge, both of them, of course, being in Portland, Oregon, and, of course, one of the nuked cities in the Operation Blackjack scenario being Portland, Oregon. And they had an extremely interesting conversation earlier this week about Operation Blackjack. So let's listen to a short clip of their interview and conversation. Well, predictive programming, you and I discussed about predictive programming and seeds that are planted by things that are pretty much what we call red flags or red, red herrings, where we, we all know that 9-11, uh, when it happened, was a, uh, was a red flag event where a drill was taking place and the drill was planes going into buildings and planes actually went into buildings. The situation with the tube event that took place in London was actually another terrorist uh, drill that actually became real. And uh, so we're looking at all these, and, and then, of course, I pointed out that we saw television shows like The Lone Gunman, where six weeks before 9-11, this uh, pilot aired on television that showed a plane remote controlled by the government uh, going to be flown into the uh, World Trade Center. Uh, and then we're looking at that going, wow, why was all this being done? For, and why didn't we see the writing on the wall? Well, what had happened is that in England, uh, the Telegraph, UK, decided to start publishing what was believed to be some sort of a comic book or some sort of a, a, a guerrilla marketing campaign uh, about something called Operation Blackjack. Now, a lot of people thought this was some sort of a video game. They thought it was some sort of a comic book. Uh, but no relation as to why this was produced. But what it was talking about was that the scenario was painted that a group of religious fanatics uh, right-wing extremists, uh, white supremacists, uh, Israel, uh, Jewish Zionists, and, and, and uh, Muslims. They didn't exactly go into detail what it was. But what they wanted to do was they wanted to place bombs strategically uh, all over the world. And on June 21st, uh, England gets bombed. London uh, has a big bomb go off and takes out Parliament, takes out everything else. big nuclear bomb goes off. And then what happens is that uh, then everything goes on alert in the world. Uh, we're on uh, special alert. And then there are seven places in the North American continent that get hit uh, with nuclear bombs. Los Angeles, uh, uh, you know, a place in Mexico gets hit and a, a few other places. Uh, oh, t uh, Toronto, Canada gets hit. But then what I find fascinating is, is that, of course, New York gets hit and it gets hit like uh, miles away, just a few miles away from ground zero. And then uh, Portland, Oregon gets hit. And that's when it started to get scary for me because I was thinking to myself, well, let's figure. And they actually had in the, in the Project Blackjack, they had the report that you file with um, NORAD as to the damage from the air, what, what, what was seen in Portland, Oregon at the time of the blast at Ground Zero. And I saw, and they actually gave out the coordinates of where the bombs were supposed to go off. So what was interesting is the longitude and latitude that was being fed on that website. I think, why would you go to all this detail if it was just a comic book? So all this detail was done, and we figured the longitude and latitude for the Portland Ground Zero bomb site was uh, near Dante's, where I do my, my shows, because it was in the general area. But then I was able to take GPS and pinpoint it even closer, and I found out it was three blocks up from Dante's at a little place called... Uh, the natural, the the uh, it's the natural gas building uh, here in Portland. It's called the Teardrop Building. I used to work in it when I did traffic reporting for Metro uh, Networks. And uh, so this raindrop building, which I found interesting, or the Teardrop Building, uh, there's actually the the group that sets off the bomb. It's called Teardrop. That's the code word, code name for uh, the group that's supposed to set off the bomb. Well, I managed to pinpoint it in the parking lot. It was a parking lot adjacent to the Teardrop Building. A parking lot right behind Big Pink, which is this huge, huge office building in Portland. And the bomb was supposed to go off in, in a parking space in a parking lot in a white van. Well, a lot of people who know that area well, it's near the, the steel bridge. And it is a parking lot for the natural gas vans. These are all white vans, and they all are parked uh, basically in uniform in this area. And I thought, that's pretty scary because they could actually, I mean, the scenario was that there were white vans with what looked like ammonium nitrate bombs, but they were, they were dirty bombs. They were in these uh, canisters. 
that were placed uh, and they placed them like hidden amongst these white vans. So I'm thinking, what a great place to hide that. And it got me kind of spooked because the, the, the area where Operation Top Off, which was an original, uh, I guess you could say, drills that the military has been doing in Portland, plus we've had black helicopters flying over this place since August of last year. Um, what's been going on is that uh, I, I noticed that the longitude and latitude was no more than, I guess, five or six degrees away from the, the target site for top-off, where, where there was supposed to be a dirty bomb going off in Portland, and Homeland Security conducted this type of thing. So it got me kind of stressed. I'm thinking, if this is a comic book, they sure have done their homework. certainly know where to place the bomb. They certainly know where to hide the bomb, uh, where it can be inconspicuous. They know that white vans are parking in this general area, that they're, and they had pictures, actually, of the place. So whoever did it, if it was in a London thing, they came to Oregon and shot the pictures and put them up there. So I'm thinking, you know, and, and I did a show about it, and I remember the Willamette week called me, and they wanted me to talk about it. But when I sent them the information, they turned around and they didn't want to do the story. And I was really dismayed by that because I'm thinking, you know, you need to have a little bit of prevention here and be, I guess you could say, uh, you know, uh, be, be vigilant and look and see if, uh, you know, anything's going on. And then I guess you could say that now here we are not far away from that date which is June 22nd at 8 some odd people 8 some odd a.m. in the morning where it's supposed to happen what really has got me kind of spooked now is that here we are uh, some 120 days after I'd made that statement that be looking out for what's going on with blackjack and I said 120 days we'd know for sure if anything is about to go on you take a look around you at what's going on in the world right now you take a look at the fanaticism that's been going on from the right right wing extremists that I've another ground zero show that I predicted this and this is what Homeland Security is looking into. You look at these right wing extremists that shoot abortion doctors and go into the Holocaust Museum and start shooting up the Holocaust Museum and then you start hearing Barack Obama start quoting from the Hadith of uh, some 17th century hadith that was written saying that Hussein had sent me so the Shiites could be pleased that he's a Shiite. It gets really damn spooky. And even when California is at their $26 billion deficit, their, their economy is the same as some, it's like the third largest economy in the world, and they had a $26 billion deficit. And Schwarzenegger says, oh, by the way, the first thing we're going to cut is welfare benefits. I kind of get a little worried about welfare benefits being cut to the to the impoverished when most of them are, min are minorities, and when Homeland Security says in their little statement about right-wing extremists, veterans, and minorities are going to be the next terrorists in this country, I'm beginning to wonder if it's all going to culminate around that time, and if it does, you know, I don't know if a bomb's going to go out from Portland, but it's certainly it's going to be a time where martial law may be the closest we'll ever be around the solstice, and I'm pretty... I'm pretty damn concerned about it. I am very much so as well, and that's why I was compelled to get you on the line today and, again, get this information out as quickly as possible. What we didn't know then when we were first discussing Blackjack back in March is that there would be a NORAD and NORTHCOM series of military exercises being conducted from June 18th, that would be tomorrow, starting tomorrow mm -hmm. until the 24th. So mm -hmm. as you mentioned, the drills on 9-11 and the drills on 7-7, the two big mm -hmm. examples. Mm -hmm. And we have all that swirls around this Operation Blackjack, and we see the predictive programming and whether it's, like you said, Lone Gunman or something like Jericho, the, the right. short-lived CBS series with nukes going off in, in the United States. And again, the basic breakdown of the Union. Mm -hmm. It's the solstice. And hell, it's even Father's Day on the 21st. It's even uh, Prince William's birthday coming up as well. well better, you know, it, it, it's just all kinds of strange things. Happen. There's going to be an eclipse of the sun coming up as, as well. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see it, but there's eclipses happening. I mean, uh, and, and, and people are going to think, why are you talking about this slide? Well, because... Our leaders are mystical freaks, okay? And they plan things. 
on solstices. They plan things on eclipses. They plan things when 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 some shooting star goes by, or they, they, that's how they are. Because even though they tell you, oh, don't believe astrology, or they tell you, oh, don't believe in that hocus pocus stuff, they're into the hocus pocus astrology stuff. They believe it. They say they're Christians. They say they're Muslims. They say they're Jews, but they practice Babylonian secret school hocus pocus in the in the enclaves of the secret areas. And, and I know that sounds all conspiratorial and bizarre, but take a look at what they do. Take a look at what they plan, and look at the numbers that they use. And the 9/11 is the perfect example of that. It was such a mystical combination of numbers an event that's now being compared to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I mean, come on, people. If you can't see this, if you think I'm crazy, then damn. You know, I don't know. I could be up in the night about everything, but I can tell you right now, when I lived in Buenos Aires, Argentina, we had something called a go-away box that we sat by the door. And what it consisted of was some cereal, some books, some things that we wanted to take with us in an emergency. I suggest we put together one of those. Not because every time we woke up, we were afraid that something was going to blow up. It's just when you're living in a place where revolutions happen all the time, where riots in the streets happen all the time, where the economy is so bad that people are fighting for food, you tend to have these things ready just in case someone knocks at your door and says, get out, we need to move because something's about to go down. I think that this is the time for this. And, it, and it's something that's natural. People do it all the time because that's how you live when you're in a country like that. And we most certainly are moving towards a country where we're living like, like I did in Argentina back in the dirty war times. Obviously, there are good, sane, rational reasons for being extremely interested in a story like this. When a major UK newspaper runs secret hexadecimal codes which warns of ongoing US military exercises, one has, I think, the right to become at least a little bit suspicious of what's going on especially given stories that have appeared in the media over the past few months, such as this one from The Sun from March 24th, 2009, Dirty Bomb Risk Against UK, or this one from just this week, 19th of June, 2009, Japan warns that North Korea may fire missile at US on Independence Day, or a series of articles that Paul Craig Roberts is writing for Infowars.com, uh, such as this one from June 18th, Iran faces greater risks than it knows. Talking, of course, about the recent Iran destabilization efforts and how that might be one of these George Soros color revolutions with, of course, American intelligence backing. And, of course, we do know all about the drills used as a cover for false flag terror. Of course, this is a point so basic that it almost doesn't need to be explained any further. But for those who are new to the Corbett Report podcast, I highly encourage you to go back to episode 20 and the incredibly important lecture that Webster Tarpley delivered to the Vancouver 9-11 Truth Conference in 2007, outlining the 20-plus exercises and drills that were taking place on or around 9-11-2001 that directly affected the U.S. military and NORAD's response on that day. And I'll even include another link in today's documentation to another presentation which Webster Tarpley delivered on April 1st, 2006 in Seattle, Washington, which I think is another incredible presentation of just how and why drills are used as a cover for false flag terror scenarios. And again, this is a very basic point, and without understanding this point, it's impossible to come to a full understanding of false flag terror and how it is actually perpetrated. Of course, the 9-11 drills are not the only example of drills being used as a cover to put assets into place for a real terror scenario. And other examples that Webster Tarpley points out in that April 1st, 2006 presentation in Seattle are how Operation Mongoose was used as a way to conduit the President Kennedy assassination, how there was a presidential succession drill scheduled for the day after Ronald Reagan was shot and almost killed, back in the 1980s, how a nuclear war drill in the 1970s almost brought the world to the brink of nuclear war, and how a series of high-level exercises being run by Canada, the UK, and the US under the names Triple Play, Atlantic Blue, and Top Off 3, 
respectively, were used as a cover for the 7-7 bombings, envisioning a scenario in which, surprise, surprise, bombs go off on the London Underground during the G8 conference in Glen Eagles, Scotland in 2005. So yes, time and time and time again, drills are used as a conduit for real attacks, which is why when a major UK newspaper puts a hexadecimal code on its website warning people about a US national military exercise and warning about a nuclear weapons incident, which is also part of that exercise, one would stand up and take notice. Of course, we also know the other aspect of this, the predictive programming aspect, such as, of course, the Lone Gunman episode, which came out six months before the events depicted therein actually took place in the real world. And for more on predictive programming, of course, you can go back to episode 88 of this podcast. So for all those reasons and more, people began to try to get to the bottom of this Operation Blackjack story. And so, accordingly, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of posts began to pile up at forums such as the Prison Planet Forum, the David Icke Forum, and the Above Top Secret Forum, dedicated to dissecting every bit and bite of information about this Operation Blackjack. And there were many bits and bytes to decipher as the jackblack12.info website began to become active once again, being updated frequently over the last few days with pictures. And each picture depicted a different city, which is of course a city that is going to be struck according to the Operation Blackjack hypothetical scenario. Each picture had a binary code name, which when deciphered, equated to a different Shakespearean character, such as Othello, Hamlet, Antony, etc., and accompanying each picture in invisible text that could only be seen when the entire screen was highlighted was a hexadecimal code, which, when converted, would yield a different Shakespearean quote. Again, if this seems confusing and very strange and bizarre and unsettling, well, yes, indeed it is all extremely bizarre. And there was enough mystery to draw people in and to keep them riveted to jackblack12.info. I won't even attempt to talk about all the ins and outs of what developed over the last few days, including the jackblack13.info website, which was started up, which may or may not have ever been related to the jackblack12.info site, and jackblack14.info, which appears at best guess to be a complete and total piss-take of the situation by someone who may or may not belong to a certain hacking board, which is quite popular on the internet. But the collective internet consciousness has seemingly now decided that, yes, indeed, the entire thing was, all along, nothing more than a drama. This comes from a post on the Above Top Secret forum from back in February, in which someone claiming to be Justin Williams, the associate editor of The Telegraph, was posting, claiming to have, in fact, created the entire Operation Blackjack fictional story. People asked for some proof that this was indeed Justin Williams, and he duly updated the Operation Blackjack story on The Telegraph website itself, including a, an ID card, which showed him to be a member of the Daily Telegraph. Again, the actual proof that this was, in fact, all along, just the associate editor of the Telegraph having a, a bit of fun with people was provided back in February. But for all of the frantic searching for clues that people have been doing over the past few days, this one went largely unnoticed. It's difficult to really describe the collective feeling of people who were genuinely interested in this story, myself included for a short time before I concluded that it must be either a hoax or a viral marketing campaign. But I guess the feeling is something akin to this. Aha! B! <laughs> I went to the next. E! The first word is B! S! It was coming easier now. You. <laughs> oh, come on, Rosie. I'm terrible. I'll be right there, Mom. 
be sure to be sure to what what was little orphan annie trying to say be sure no. to what annie has got to go will you please come out all right ma i'll be right out i was getting closer now the tension was terrible what was it the fate of the planet may hang in the balance almost there my fingers flew my mind was a steel trap every pore vibrated it was almost clear yes 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 be sure to drink your ovaltine ovaltine a crummy commercial son of a bitch that's right. All of that time, all of that effort, all of that energy, all of that frantic searching for clues, all of the excitement in thinking that perhaps you might be uncovering a nuclear terrorist scenario turns out to be little more than an advertisement for Ovaltine. So what needs to be said about this incident, what transpired over the last week, and what it says about this movement as a whole? Far be it for me to point fingers at anyone over this incident, or to cast aspersion on those who got so deeply involved in this drama. As I say, there were many very good rational reasons for people to take this very seriously. I don't blame anyone for being taken in by this hoax, or for being interested in what was developing. It was a genuinely fascinating incident, made all the more deeply disturbing by the fact that it was being prominently featured on a major British national newspaper's website. No, what disturbs me about this incident is not that people were interested in this story, it's their reaction to this story. Here we had thousands upon thousands of people who earnestly believed that several nuclear bombs were going to be detonated on Monday, starting the slide toward a fascist world government. And what was the actual response? What did they actually produce during their frantic search for these clues? Pretty much nothing. We already have the examples in this movement of people who have actually predicted real terrorist attacks. And we have also, from those very same examples, seen exactly what needs to be done when such things are foreseen. The point is, if any terrorism comes, it's from this government. And if there was an outside threat like a bin Laden who was a known CIA asset in the 80s running the Mujahideen War and whose family builds all the military bases over in Saudi Arabia right now and sits on the board of Iridium Satellite, he's the boogeyman they need in this Orwellian phony system. I want the White House numbers up there now. A big part of this solution, after you research all the government terrorism and check out what I'm saying is true, call the White House and tell them, we know the government's planning terrorism. We know Oklahoma City and World Trade Center was terrorism. We know the Joint Chiefs of Staff wanted to blow up airliners, Baltimore Sun. If you do it, we're going to blame you because we know who's up to it. Or if you let some terrorist group do it, like the World Trade Center, we know who to blame. And you could save the planet. That, of course, was Alex Jones from the July 25th, 2001 edition of his Access TV show. And yes, he did realize that a major terrorist attack was going to take place, not because of secret hexadecimal codes that were being implanted in newspapers, but because he had simply seen the preparatory groundwork and the hyping of Osama bin Laden, despite the fact that bin Laden had done nothing new. And he combined that with his knowledge of previous false flag operations like the Oklahoma City bombing, which was of course preceded by a demonization of the right-wing militia movement, and he realized what was going to take place. So what did he do when he realized what was going to take place? Was he posting messages on forums trying to decode each clue? No. He was on Access TV desperately trying to stir people into actually confronting the government about this staged terror attack. Think about this strategy for a moment. Think 
Back in 2001, when Alex Jones was still relatively unknown to anyone outside of Austin, Texas, he was attempting to get people's attention and motivate them towards acting on this information. And of course, there at the time, there were very few people willing to do so. If such a thing were to take place now, with Alex Jones's millions of daily listeners and extremely active participatory audience, imagine how different that would be. Imagine if, in July of 2001, thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people had swamped the White House phone lines saying that they did, did know that a terror attack was going to be staged and that they were going to blame it on their asset Osama bin Laden. Imagine how different the world might look today. But now think about what we've just seen. Of course, in the run-up to this blackjack fever, Alex Jones did go on his show to say that he did believe it was viral marketing and that it shouldn't be given much attention. But there were still, of course, thousands of people who were interested in the story and following all of the twists and turns of this story. Well, fair enough. Good for them. Follow whatever story you think is most interesting and most fruitful. But do so in a productive manner. Out of all of this incredibly intense research and posting on message boards about this impending nuclear attack, the only person, only one instance that I know of where anybody attempted to do anything about it was a man who put a phone call into MI5. This is the MI5 phone line. If you have information which you want to give to the security service, please hold the line and an operator will speak to you. Alternatively, you can write to us at the following address. The inquiry desk, PO Box 3255, London, SW1P1AE. I repeat, the inquiry desk, P.O. Box 3255, London, SW1P1AE. You can also contact us via our website at www.mi5.gov.uk. Thank you. Yeah, um, I'm a bit concerned um, there might be a terrorist attack on Monday. Right, okay, where's this going to be? Um, in America um, and the UK. Uh, basically, the Daily Telegraph did an uh, uh, like a cartoon story um, yeah. in January called Operation Blackjack. Mm -hmm. Do you know anything about it? No, I'm afraid I don't know. Okay, um, it basically it's, it's still up there on the Telegraph, um, and it's basically saying... It's a, it's of course, now the suggestion is that this phone call itself was staged by the very people who are staging the Operation Blackjack scenario, but I think that misses the point. The point is not whether or not that particular phone call is real. The point is that there are no other instances of anyone at all attempting to contact the authorities to let them know about this unfolding event. If you truly believe that seven cities are going to be nuked on Monday morning, perhaps there are more productive things that can be done rather than just posting to internet forums. Perhaps people could actually contact the relevant authorities that are supposedly set up to investigate these things. Of course, for people who believe that the government is complicit in these types of attacks, there might be the suspicion that these bodies will not actually investigate what's going on. But even if you were to assume that every single person in every single agency and arm of the government is complicit in whatever false flag terrorist scenario you think is unfolding, even if every single person, including the person who answers the phone, is involved, at the very least, 
if people are constantly phoning in and making a fuss about what's going on, then the likelihood of people going through with that attack would be significantly less. Or if, as is in fact the case, it turns out to be a hoax or viral marketing campaign, at the very least, the amount of public reaction and the amount of people calling in to the investigative authorities about this incident would ensure that this will never happen again. Because, of course, it should never happen again that a major national newspaper lends its website to a crazy social experimenter who wants to find out the public's reaction to a doomsday scenario. Because, of course, there is freedom of speech, but that does not cover your right to yell fire in a crowded theater. Now, once again, I'm not pointing the finger at anyone in particular, and as much as the finger is pointed outwards at others, it, it is pointed at myself. Because, of course, I, too, have ultimately failed my listeners in all of this. Because during the real news section of last week's podcast, I, of course, read the MediaMonarchy.com entry on the Ardent Century 09 exercises, which, actually, at the end of that post, includes phone numbers for media contacts for each of the different exercises that were ongoing. It was, of course, my intention to actually contact someone related to these drills, completely independently of the Black Operation Blackjack, which, as of last Sunday, had not transpired into the mess that it's become right now. But it was my intention to phone up and talk to someone in the Department of Defense about these drills and how the public can be assured that such drills would not be used to conduit an attack. But I did not do so, having become ill on Sunday night and ultimately forgetting about it during the course of the week. Again, these types of phone numbers and contacts are our conduit to have an effect on the real world not a game that is being played on the internet, not something that is merely a spectator sport for us to watch in horror as events take place around us. We have to, once again, as a movement, regain our understanding of ourselves as real actors in the real world. And if we have a proper understanding of that, then we won't compartmentalize our experience into that which we are seeing unfold when we're online checking the latest posts on the internet forums versus the actual real world that we live in on a day-to-day basis. One bridge to that is, of course, going out there, becoming active, making phone calls to investigative bodies if you think a nuclear attack is about to take place, or making phone calls to media contacts when they're provided for things like Ardent Century 09. It is only by manifesting ourselves in the real world and talking to other people that we will, in fact, get anywhere as a movement rather than sitting online watching things unfold before our eyes. I realize this is quite a departure from the usual Corbett Report podcast, but I feel that this needs to be said because I fear what this entire incident says about the movement. And I fear what it says is that the movement is something that sees itself as an online observer of world events, rather than a movement of a group of people who are in the real world and can affect real change by manifesting that actual knowledge that we have gained online in our interactions in the real world. Once again, this is a very difficult point to articulate in a way that doesn't sound so abstract. So let's turn to a clip from Webster Tarpley's speech on April 1st, 2006, where he makes this point, I think, in a very succinct way. That is it for today. I am your host, James Corbett, and I do thank you for joining me for this week's edition of the Corbett Report podcast and asking you to join me again next week for the regularly scheduled episode 92, Environmentalism is Corporate Controlled. This is one of my favorites, Hilex 75. It was an attempt after 
the rout in Saigon, there were people who thought that the U.S. and the British might collapse worldwide. Could have happened. They, they believed the domino theory on a big scale. And they said, let's have high-level high exercise 75, simulated confrontation with top officials, the idea being to start it as a drill and then flip it live and go for a confrontation with the Soviets and the Warsaw Pact. There was a leak in Der Spiegel, and uh, I spent Christmas Eve 1975 on the steps of the Milan Cathedral handing out leaflets saying, Stop Helix 75. Helix 75 means the Third World War. And I want to point this out to you because citizens can stop them. The whole point of drills, right, to know about drills is that you can stop them. Commercial? Son of a bitch. <laughs>